Hello fellow Word Nerds. Thank you so much for being part of the Words and Nerds community with over 22,000 listeners every single month. Today we celebrate the podcast's fourth birthday and it's all thanks to you, the book lovers, the enthusiasts, the dreamers, the optimists and the encouragers. Thank you and stay safe. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. On this podcast, we chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. I'm your host, Danny B. Today is Words and Nerds' fourth birthday, and who better to celebrate with than novelist extraordinaire, life enthusiast, repeat guest, appearing in episodes 47, 69, and 200, and author of the brilliant best-selling Boy Swallows Universe, All Our Shimmering Skies, and the book we'll chat about today, Love Stories, the one and only Trent Dalton. Danny, happy birthday. Happy birthday, you absolute marvel. Um, congratulations to Words and Nerds. And remember the the sort of remember those sort of twinkly days back in episode 47. I just it feels like only yesterday. <laughs> and <laughs> and you're then, so and generous. Then, and then oh, how I remember episode 69. It was um, yeah, uh, you know, amazing. Yeah, yeah. So no. The good was, old uh, days, yeah. Trent. We the good have old days. Good old days. <laughs> no, I just wanted to say I'm so flipping honored to be here on your fourth birthday. And uh, from all of us in the writing community, we just think you're amazing because mm-hmm. you put your heart and soul into everything you read and everything you talk about on this amazing show. So I've just it you know what's actually quite I'm getting kind of quite sentimental because oh. I kind of remember talking to you very early about Boys yeah. Universe when, you know, I, I think it was sort of the, we share a similar thing where I just thought, oh, I'll just give this a, I'll give this a try, you know, and I'll give this, I'll sort of, you know, do the, the cricketing in cricketing terms, roll the arm over and, you know, and you don't know where it's going to go. And, and then, um, you know, and a lot of people, you know, have since thousands, <laughs> I know thousands have since listened to this amazing podcast. And I just, I get very inspired by that. And I just think, uh, journeys of the past sort of few years have been kind of similar and it's yeah. really really amazing to see where you're at and so anyway it's so oh, perfect to be you. here on your fourth birthday <laughs> thank you i was Congratulations. saving it i thought who else do i want for my fourth birthday oh, man that's really lovely and that's everyone great. loves listening to your episodes Trent, because you are so generous with your answers and we go on these tangents where we're like oh hang on we've got a book to talk about that's right <laughs> <laughs> oh no it's about the chat not about the books who cares about the books <laughs> It's yeah. about the whole pitch, isn't it? But yeah, I remember yeah, last no. time you gave me this quiz about favourite song and favourite film and I was like, oh, no. Oh, dear. <laughs> and yeah, we had, yeah. like, that big runga moment. We're like, oh, yes, we love Sway. You're a big, big – well, oh, man, don't even get me started. My wife and I, yeah, got out again that beautiful Collision album. Speaking of love stories, that album was part of our courtship. That's how oh, big that album – that that bit Bic is a massive part of and oh. there's a song she sings um called When I See You Smile. Yes. You know that one? Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's like a lullaby of a song. And uh oh, that's man, beautiful some, you know, randomly my wife will just bust it out while drying the dishes or something. Oh, and it's I just like it. heaven. You're just like, oh man, don't stop. Yeah. So yeah. Well music does that bit. too though, right? Music brings you back to that place, you know, and that's that's beautiful. Oh, second greatest gift to humans, music. Yeah, you know, only only bettered by love, you know, and it's like, and it's, and yet, and music is the closest thing we can sort of equate to love, you know, and then I, I'd probably actually put writing and books probably just below music. That's how much music kind of means to me in terms yeah. of mu- musicians, like someone like Paul McCartney can get, can access true love in three minutes and it takes Hemingway a hundred pages, you know, and mm. I just, I just think there's a genius Absolutely. I, you know, I think those both of those people are geniuses, but I think McCartney um, probably out edges him because, you know, he can just do that in three and a half minutes. And I just think that's like, how does one even begin to do that? And, yeah. yeah. But you're so right. So it's it's love, music, writing, and then I'm going to go with food. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I food mean, is nurturing and sensual and pleasurable, you know? So I think food needs to be there too. Well, then number four ties in with number one because I have this theory that all we're here to do is tell stories, right? And 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 because storytelling and food are just assist the love. Like it's like, so basically all we're really here to do. I know you and I are here doing this cool stuff and we're spending our nine to five, right? We've got these nine to five periods for maybe eight hours that that basically we're trying to get back to the ones we love. You know, we're just trying to survive today. Oh, and then and then we're going to get back to like 7 o'clock tonight and we're going to be back in the kitchen and we'll be back cooking the food. And we'll be back sitting around the table with the ones we love telling stories. So, like, oh, I love that. that 
that the thing that you're talking about is so linked to number one. Yeah. And I think yeah. you're so right. I think so. And I reckon so many people would probably might put food sort of bump, bump music and uh, writing <laughs> out and might take second place. But uh, yeah, I love that trend. I love we're always trying to get back to the people we love. That is perfect isn't it oh 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 man i mean i've been thinking a lot about this stuff danny because you know i wrote that book but but also just i sat out on this street corner of adelaide and albert street for like eight hours a day for weeks on end and all i was thinking about was where i'm at with love or Mm. or or am i giving enough love in the right way to the people i really care about and then the answer is is like sadly no i don't think i do give enough love in the sense that um uh so I won't go off it, but you know, I look oh, at these please people. Do. Please okay, do. Okay, well, well, I've been thinking a lot. Okay, you know what I've been thinking a lot about is is Australian mums, any Australian mum in any Australian backyard this Christmas day, right? You picture any Australian mum, particularly one the mums in Sydney and Melbourne, um, they are going to be filled with so much love because of what Sydney and Melbourne have been through for one thing, but also there is an art to the way an Australian mum who was reached around the age of 70 and where they are at with love. They have often probably gone through, you know, they've raised the kids. They're now maybe even grandmas and, and they are so at ease. And I saw this on the street when I was doing these stories. So many Australian mums around the age of 70 had such clarity on what was important in life. And, and I just keep looking at it. It's like, you remember, you, you, you have, have you ever studied a mum on Christmas Day and you watch them around the table and they're cutting the ham and they're just looking around and they're seeing 20 people that they would die for and they start crying sometimes and then they just go, I love you all so much. Their love is so obvious and so gushing from them that they, they appreciate it. And it's taken them maybe 70 years to get to that point. And it's like, that's living. That's the way you got to do life. And I, it's like, that's the stuff. And it's like, you know, they realize that, that they're in the time now where their favorite times are when all the people they love are in the same house. And it's like, mm-hmm. I love seeing an Australian mum like that when everyone walks in on Christmas day and you just see them joyous. Like it's just the most amazing thing to see on their faces. Just this, it's like, that is perfection for them. Like that, it's like you could. This doesn't matter where they are, where Christmas is being held. The, the sun is baking, and the the pergolas, you know, got hot. It's faded, and and uh, you know the, the the baking, you know, terracotta bricks in the <laughs> courtyard are just too hot to stand on. But they're in paradise, you know. And I just think that's so cool because they know that it's all about the kitchen, it's all about the cooking, and it's all about the people. It doesn't matter where you are. It's about the you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, I've said no, it before. That's really but... special. It is. Yeah, it's really special. special. And it, that's it. It's special with Christmas coming up, you know, and we've been through such a tough time. So, oh. you know, those moments are something that I'm really You imagine those to. those days, like those lunches? Like I just think it's going to be really special. I think even more special than last year's Christmas Day, which was yeah. special, no doubt, for people. I just think, you know, um, yeah, I just think it's been a really tough year for so many. And I just think to have those people around them, now that we can move about a little bit more, it's going to be incredible yeah, yeah. absolutely and you know that's what love stories does and i always thought i don't know if you agree but i always feel like you know you have worn your heart on your sleeve and that's something i'm learning to do learning to be vulnerable learning to wear your heart on your sleeve because that's love is the thing right and you say this you know right at the beginning of the book that you know love is the only thing we'll ever really need you know we'll never understand it but it's the only thing we really need and you know i think this book is so important it's optimistic and you know you strike me correct me if i'm wrong as a bit of a hopeless romantic but why is that so important (laughs) in our world oh great question danny um you know i mean all of my stuff just comes from kind of uh i i do have and you know it's all tied up in my first book boy swallows universe like there's no doubt about it like that that you know, everyone, I know people who haven't finished that book because it's so darn dark, you know, and, and, and it's, it's so tough in parts. And, you know, my zero to 20 years were just, you know, were just pretty bleak and pretty kind of, um, you know, tough. Definitely certain type parts were really tough. And then other parts were wondrous as well. But there was a lot of darkness in amongst all that. And by the time I'm, so I'm basically, you know, I've lived sort of two halves of, you know, kind of, two different kind of lives up until my age now of 42. So from about 20 to 42 was just pure joy and and meeting kind of, you know, genuinely meeting the love of my life. This woman, Fiona, who kind of changed everything for me. And, and the gratitude of that, I think, you know, all of this giddy bloody, you know, like even just calling a book love stories, it's so ridiculous. And I know it's cheeseball and it's kind not, of. It's not, it's not as what we can, need right now. Well, that's, we I'm need. glad you see it that way. Like, and that's it. I know, but, but, you know, the, you know, 
it, it just, it all comes from kind of dark places. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, actually in the book, my wife actually is the one who defines it best in, she writes this little beautiful little sort of story in there and she knows me better than anyone. And she goes, I, I know why you're doing this. I know what, I know what this is all about. And I won't reveal what she says because it's a really cool moment in the book, mm-hmm. but, um, but it's, it's, she knows me and she knows that I need to do these things and I need to be this hard on the sleeve guy because yeah. Danny, I feel like the world's going to strike, strike, the universe is going to strike me down if I don't, because I should be showing gratitude every single day, you know, and, and that's why I write a book like this. And I sort of go, well, I am grateful and it manifests itself in this sort of kind of giddy thing where I kind of sit out on a street and just see another human being go, hey, how are you doing? And, and if you're not doing good, let's work, let's work back and find a story that might make you feel better. And that was sort of a big part of it too. And, and, and yeah, an absolute middle finger to the past two years. And I couldn't, I, I, you know, I could not sit down and do something glib. I could not be sarcastic. I was just over, I'm really over the, uh, the sort of 150 character glib sentence, you know, and, uh, and I'm just, I just think the world's too important to to be sarcastic all the time and glib all the time i just think sometimes we really need to get deep and 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 sentimental you know and and uh because within sentimentality lies the other side of sentimentality which is truth and darkness and sorrow and and all of those things are perfectly valid emotions and and feed into who we are as human beings but if we're being sarcastic and glib all the time, we never access any of those things. And so I was just went, you know what? I'm going to sit down and write something that is just deep and hard on the sleeve and just unashamedly um, celebratory of the human condition. You know what I mean? And uh, and just, yeah, I felt like there couldn't have been a better time to do mm. such a thing. I agree. absolutely agree. And I just love the vulnerability that you have of being able to tap into that sorrow and the joy and the grief, because oh. I think as a society, we sort of, like you say, we we use humour or sarcasm to not deal with our grief. And so I think as a culture, we're so terrible at dealing with bad things that happen to us, you know, and I think being able oh. to talk as you do really deeply about these things is so important for all of us to go, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to not be okay. Oh. That's oh, all yeah. okay. Oh, man. I mean, ah, oh, beautifully said, Danny. I mean, uh, how many people, I could not tell you how many people read Boy Swallows Universe and all our streaming skies and that would go to these sort of book events and at the end someone coming up and going, thank you for showing uh my world on the page and thank you for showing that you know that 60 percent of us australians are from those outer fringe suburbs and thank you for um showing the world what that looks like and and uh because i didn't know um that that those stories could be told i didn't know that those stories could be put on paper and i just am so grateful that people say that and um but so many people coming up and going thank you for showing my mum thank you for showing my auntie thank you for showing my dad thank you for showing me myself and and i'm just going yeah well well hell yeah like what else what else am i put on this earth to write about if i am gonna be a writer like that that is the one story you know and i i I have no doubt that i was put on this planet to write that book boy swallows universe in particular i and and the longer that book goes and the, 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 you know, the longer the sort of connection to it that that extends, it, the deeper it gets for me because I start to realise that and realise things I didn't realise three years ago even. But, um, but that whole book was working on that notion. And I was just like, when I sat down, it's like, well, do I be, do I, how much of, I, of myself do I give here? And I, it's only 50% fiction, that book, but, but um, and it's 50% fact. And, and, uh, but, it's 100% emotional truth. You know what I mean? And that was, that was the, that was the decision that I could have chosen. I could have chosen to give 60% or held back a bit, but I just decided for whatever reason, I think partly because I was a dad and all, all, you know, I just wanted to let rip for these girls of mine and just sort of show them everything that's in their old man's soul. You know, they know me, they read that book, they know their dad, you know, and, uh, and I wanted them to know that all of that stuff as well, because that, it colors everything for them and it shows them where I'm coming from. And, and it sort of helps to learn about all these people we're living with, let alone the people we're sort of working with, you know? And yeah, so I'm all for, I'm all for hard on the sleeve. And I just, um, I, I sort of just love that anyone who comes up to me and goes, you know what? I, um, I read this and then I actually called my old man. I haven't spoken to him in 30 oh, wow. years because we haven't 
faced it. You know, this book helped me face a bit of stuff. And I just think that's so amazing. Mm. Like what a, that's could be the greatest, you know, that's right there is probably the greatest thing you could ever write for. Yeah. Mm. And that's what I say, you know, literature has the power to change the world because it does every single day. Oh, Danny. I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, and I still, you know, people read all our shimmering skies and some kid, you know, overseas in, in the States will send me a letter and go, this girl's journey that she's on has shown me some sort of light at the end of my tunnel. And, and, you know, and that's just one big metaphor for someone going through their darkness to find the light. Both of those books are. And so it's sort of, yeah, it's deeply powerful when you get that stuff. You're sorry, which is why I love this podcast though. That is, <laughs> uh, you listen to this podcast and it's sort of this old, you know, eternal thing that you, you tap into, which is so wonderful. And I can see why that's, you know, uh, can I ask you this, Danny, on your fourth birthday of this podcast, like has, you know, has, has reading and even doing this podcast helped helped you through whatever, you know, I'm not, I don't know what that might be, but I mean, and I don't want to, you know, I don't need to get personal. Right I'm just saying like, you know, does that, does that work for you? Like, yeah, does that- totally. And I would not be very generous if I wasn't honest with you because you're always so generous and honest with me, but I've suffered anxiety, like crippling anxiety my entire life. And I never oh. had a name for it. I just, it was this thing that I didn't really know what to deal with. And then this is in my twenties. And then in my thirties, I was diagnosed and everything started to make sense. And I didn't mean to bring it up in the podcast, but because people share their journeys with you, I just shared having anxiety. And then I thought, hang on, that felt really good to be vulnerable and to own it and to name it. Cause there's a thing where you say, if you name it, you can tame it. Can't say I've tamed it, but it's, 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 I'm accepting it, accepting it and learning to live with it. And so now I feel so comfortable ish. Ish. ish i love that yeah 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 that's me yeah yeah i'm through all that ish, ish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> talking about these things where i've had two episodes in my life of such crippling anxiety that i couldn't leave the house on my bed you know so i i know each time that i'm going to get through it because i did before you know so that's in my head because i am a great optimist i'm like well, i've done it before i can get through this but yeah the the literature the podcast has helped me work through all this and and sit here and go it's okay it's okay to be this person. And it was really hard for me to hear that anxiety. I'm this person, like, if there's a problem, I'm going to fix it, right? Yeah, so it was yeah. really hard for me to hear that your anxiety is never going away. So that was a massive learning curve for me. Oh, um, Danny, I'm getting chills. I'm getting chills. <laughs> but look what you did. You, you, you then go and start like a podcast that I know what it takes to interview people. It can be really nerve-wracking and anxiety-fueling. And, uh, you know, and you went and did this thing. You know, how freaking amazing, you know, that you take all of that and go, yeah, there is that, that does exist. And maybe that is never going away, but maybe this podcast will never go away either. You know, something cool will never go away. You know what I mean? Maybe something, the other things you're introducing, you know, I just think that's so amazing. You step into a world that takes a lot of courage to sit and talk with all the amazing authors you've talked to that I'd be so bloody intimidated by. And you just like doing it. And I think that's amazing. But then also what you say reminds me of my old man. Like, and, and I just go, that guy, you know, he's in that book, Boy Swallows Universe, as Robert Bell. And I love my dad, like, dearly. And he's not with us. And, I, you know, shout big shout out to that guy. But, you know, I think he had something, a lot to do with anxiety that wasn't diagnosed because he's, you know, a bloke in the 1980s and just smoking and drinking. And, you know, I just think, man, if he, if someone named it and someone helped him yeah. tame it, it might've meant a freaking huge thing to us, you know, but so hence why I just think it's so important and freaking beautiful that you throw that in there in your podcast and just so essential to who you are. And then it helps for me, it helps sort of color every question you might ask me. And and I just think it, it just adds to the chat and it adds to conversation. And yeah, I just think it's so, it, it's story. It's, it's your story. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, it's storytelling, you know, it's all part of you. And I think that's beautiful. Because yeah. I always thought, you know, vulnerability and particularly for me being a woman, I thought I have to be a strong woman, blah, blah, blah. But I actually think there's so much strength in vulnerability more than you realise, I think, when you're in your 20s. Oh, man. I, have you heard my, have I bored you with my, um, <laughs> oh, it's, I said this line, I'm sorry if I have bored you with this, but, um, you know, um, the world will eventually break all of us. Um, those who don't break with it, the world eventually kills. Mm. And, and that's a Hemingway sort of, I've, I've misquoted that, but that's a thought, you know, from the sun also rises. And, and it's, and what he's getting at there is um, sometimes we need to be like water and we need to be liquid and not like rock. Yes. And for the first 20 years of my life, I thought I had to be rock. And I, mm. and I, and, and I was, because of being that I was in danger of sinking. And, uh, you know, and so it's sort of like, it's so funny. And then, and then I met 
my wife and then I had these two girls and they, they brought this sort of world of kind of vulnerability just by the act of existing, you know, and, and then they helped me get sort of really vulnerable and, and tap into some really beautiful things like gen, you know, just utter true love. And, and then you just go, wow, yeah, that's what it's all about. And then, you know, but yeah, the, the, those who don't break sometimes, you know, there's, there's something in breaking, you know, yeah. and there's something in vulnerability, you know, and, and it's, and it's so powerful. And which is why personally, I just love talking to anyone who's come out the other side of being vulnerable and, and come out the other side of humility or, or whatever it is that they, they always make for very interesting people to talk to because they've opened up sides of themselves that sometimes people are too proud to open up. And, and, you know, I've got no time for the, for, you know, you see them all the time at parties, these people who never give you anything, which is why I'm always the douchebag saying, blah, 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 blah. blah. <laughs> and they're just stoically taking all everything from me and not giving a single thing back. And I just go, you know what, I'm going to move over here now because uh, you've gotten everything from me and I've got nothing back, you know, yeah. and it's like, because they just don't want to be sort of a little bit vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And also I just go, yeah, well, you can stay over here and talk real estate. I'm to go over here with Danny and talk um what books made me cry so uh, you know yeah. <laughs> never take us to a wedding where we're sitting there because we're not going to ask what you do we're going to say what no, are you man. afraid of <laughs> exactly exactly oh but that's what I did on the street that's what I did yeah, with this book yeah. too that's the thing it was like that that's why I loved this whole thing it was like that you're so right like it's like I, I'm just trying to get so quick to that yeah you know what what part of this love story makes you scared or what part yeah what Tell me where, and if you open with something as simple as, please tell me your favorite love story, you're already accessing someone in there behind the heart. You know what I mean? You've got yeah. all the steel at the top and then the underneath bits is where the good stuff's at. And you need to break through that somehow. And it's not easy, but the best way through that is probably starting with, with the best thing in the world, which is love, you know? And then, and then behind all that, you get all this other complication, which is sorrow and, and even a little bit of hate and why that where that comes from and so you're sort of already working in kind of some amazing with some amazing material all because you've just decided to sort of go there you're so right and yeah you and i at the wedding and we're going like where, where do you rate food uh, and what's up what's number five after food as far as important things we don't actually world? care what you do don't even tell totally. us don't, don't even, even tell care. us <laughs> that is so care. true <laughs> I told you about the thing. Did I tell you, did we get onto this with lists on episode, what was it, 47, um, that where I used to dead set, like in my early 20s, I had my wallet filled with yellow, yellow post-it, post-it notes. notes. Oh, okay. Is that where, is that, yeah, did I tell you? I used that's, to do that. Yeah, that's oh, what cool. happened in episode did 200 I, because then you started shooting me questions about sorry, that was too favorite right, right. film. Oh, I don't expect you to remember all my episodes. No, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay, that's good. That's good. That's so funny. Yeah, no, no, I love that. But I yeah, love yeah. it. But you've done this sort of not with that. the yeah, not with the yellow post-it notes, but oh. you did it with this beautiful typewriter. Oh and I, man, I, I want to yeah. talk about Kathleen Kelly because that's such a special oh, yeah, please. story. Yeah, please tell me about Kathleen. About. Yeah, yeah, Kathleen Kelly um, was this feisty Irish um, woman who loved words, lived for words, just like you did, Danny, and like lived for reading and. Uh, she passed. She's my best friend, Kel. His name, his name is Greg Kelly. I call him Kel. And uh, he, uh, his mum, Kathleen, passed passed away on Christmas Day, twenty twenty. And um, and uh, yeah, so like, generally not, you know, not not long ago. And and uh, and uh, you know, in the days after she passed, Kel just would just send me the occasional text. He was going through her things, and he'd send me just pictures of scrapbooks that Kath kept, right? And there'd be like little articles that she'd cut out of uh, long form journalism stories that I'd written and, and pasted them in her little treasure, scrapbook of treasured. She'd cut out just, just she'd cut out writing that she appreciated, you know? And I was so honored to make her scrapbook. And wow. and then and then he, he calls me, he says, mate, I was, you know, the, the last days up at the hospital, she had one book beside her bed and it was all our shimmering skies, my second novel. I was, you know, the last book she'd read. And, they actually used that book at, at the funeral and put it on on top of a coffin, wow. and that was incredibly moving in the funeral. And then at the end, we went out of that funeral. It was sort of early January, high summer here in Brisbane, and we went out to the parking lot. and uh, And I'll you know I'll never forget talking to Kel, and we're just having these beers. We're drinking these beers that Kath instructed us to drink because they were left in her fridge. She had a whole bunch, like maybe more than thirty Forex Gold cans. Like Forex Gold's like my favorite beer, and. Uh, <laughs> And um, she'd had them in her fridge before she was rushed to hospital. And, uh, and, but on her sort of, you know, in her dying kind of wishes to her son were like, make sure everyone drinks that Forex gold at the funeral. 
And we're toasting Kath, you know, in this parking lot at this Albany, Albany Creek Memorial Park here in Brisbane on the north side of Brisbane. And, and uh, I'm talking to Kel about how much I loved his mom. And, and he goes, yeah, man, she loved you. And she goes, um, uh, I want to show you something. And he opens up his Subaru door and, uh, and he leans into his car and he, he pulls out this beautiful 1960s Olivetti sky blue typewriter that was Kath's oh, best friend. Wow. He wrote to, she wrote to principals, she wrote to newspaper editors, she wrote to heads of churches, um, letters, and she wrote to friends, the most deeply beautiful supportive letters on that thing. It was absolutely her best friend. And he hands it to me and he says, Trent, she wants you to have it. Oh, wow. And uh, I was so, yeah, I was really, I was really touched. It might've been, you know, I think, and I write that in the book, actually, it might be the most beautiful gift I ever got. And, you know, just because it was so, you know, I really do believe that um, you can take an object, you could take a, well, this happens all the time. You know, you could take a plastic bubblegum ring bubblegum machine ring and imbue it with love for 50 years and it becomes priceless you know and it's sort of that's what she did with that typewriter and for Kel to give that to me I took it really seriously and and then I was sort of maybe in like a lockdown or you know just just probably smashing the red wine too much and just went all right this this is no good and uh and then uh I called up Kel and I said I want to do something really beautiful with that typewriter and and would you mind I had this idea very much tapped into my kind of um, journalism, which I've done for sort of 20 years. I've always done this thing where I'd pound the pavement and talk to ordinary people, find the extraordinary within the ordinary. That was my shtick for quite a while, like on various magazines and stuff. And I loved that. I just loved doing that. Just stopping a random person and just going, tell me a story. And I, and invariably, I reckon 95% of the time, some extraordinary thing, thing comes out if you just take, take the time to listen to it. And, uh, and then, I said, man, I just want to take that typewriter, sit on the corner of these two streets here in Brisbane, very busy streets, Adelaide, corner of Adelaide and Albert Street here. And it'd be, it'd be like sort of what, like Pitt Street or, you know, some sort of version of that in, you know, in all the major cities of, of Brisbane. And uh, I had a desk and I had a sign that said, sentimental writer collecting love stories. Do you have one to share? And I just sit there for like eight hours Wow. And I did it for weeks and I just sort of, I had the typewriter and I, on the typewriter, I wasn't writing the stories. I was just taking notes, like just, mm-hmm. but also, and also writing down observations and just, mm. it was so wonderful in a poetic sort of stream of conscious sort of way where you're just going tapity tap, tap, tap. Typewriters are so brilliant, just like a sort of a big a kilometrico, you know, they're just, they're a lot more immediate or something, a lot more sort of romantic or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, there's something totally. romantic about them. And really? so I started writing a lot of like whimsical poetry about the things I'm seeing. So you'd write, you know, two junkies having a fight with tuna cans and you'd turn that into something sort of romantic or something, you know, but it's just observations. And, and it's sort of, I love these photographers sometimes, you know, it's been done before where a photographer stands in the same place every day and takes a shot at like 10 35 a.m every day and he does that for 20 years or she does that for 40 years and and you know and they capture whatever is happening on that corner or something and i think that's a beautiful notion mm-hmm. and i wanted to do something like that but in a, in a in a writing sense and sort of basically keep going back to the same place and see what rhythms and what um what things repeat themselves and what people do come back in and out of the, this world and then realizing that if you sit there long enough, just absolutely, it is absolutely true that uh, there, there are, you know, there are 7 billion love stories just walking back in front of us at any given time. And it, and it really was true. Like these people just started stopping Danny, you know, and it was just like, just started telling me these are most amazing love stories. And it started, one of the early ones with it was a blind man who um, named Graham and he, he was holding the wife, his, his wife's hand and they'd been together for 30 years and we we're just talking about love and he's talking about how much he loves his family because he grew up with, you know, a few other people in his family that, that were vision impaired as well. And, and then, and then I just said something to him, like um, we got talking about what he would do if he had just five minutes of, of clear sight. And he goes, Oh, I've, I've thought about that for 30 years. Um, I'd, I'd spend all that time just staring at my wife's face and, 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 uh, and I'm just like getting, I start, I get teary in that moment. Right. And then, and then I say this dorky thing. I say, um, oh, well, I want you to know. Cause, cause he says, he says, um, I've never seen a face. Like he, oh, ma- wow. like they were, yeah. Like he, he married her, he was blind when he married mm. her. You know, he's never seen the face of the woman of the greatest love story in his life. And I say this dorky thing, like, um, you know, and I was worried it could have been sort of, you know, I just, I just came out and I said, oh, I just want you to know, Graham, she's really, she's beautiful. And, and he goes, yeah. 
yeah, I, and he goes, I, I know that. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't need eyes to see, to know that, you know, and it was just so, wow. and it was from around there that I was just like, yeah, man, the, the, like these stories don't have to be long or these story, you know, I mean, that is just a perfect love story that he's going to spend that time staring in the eyes of that woman. Perfect. You know, and it was from there. I was just like, yeah. And then, you know, and then another person comes up and says, oh, what, what are you doing? And, or other people go, aren't you the guy who wrote that book, Boys Follows <laughs> Universe? That happened a fair bit. But then they just stop and go, you know what? Something about these past two years make me feel like I do want to sit and tell you about someone I love. And so they'd yeah. stop and just go, can I tell you about my dead husband? I haven't spoken about him in a while and I'd love to wow. just sit. Um, I remember this one girl from South America. She couldn't get back to South America to farewell her father, her, her mm. grandfather who had just died like three days ago. Wow. And she had no family here in Brisbane. She was on a sort of working holiday, but COVID came and she couldn't return to South America. And she just goes... You, like it was the most beautiful thing she had sort of this broken english and she's like do you mind if i just tell you a bit about my grandfather and it was wow. so freaking beautiful danny and then she she starts telling me the journey of the three-day grieving process that she's been on farewelling her grandfather and she said i wrote out i wrote out this letter a two-page letter and she said i just put down everything on that piece of paper that I loved about him. And uh, I said, she just wrote everything like, thank you for the time. You took me up to the mountain on that horse when I was 10 years old. And thank you for the care you gave me when, you know, I was 20. And, uh, and then she said, she says this, she goes, I, I said it a lot. She, and it's a sort of from her sort of, you know, it's base, base, basically a thing that she did and, and, you know, and, and it happens, you know, and, and it's a thing people do, she said, and then she, she lit it up wow. and, and she watched this beautiful thing just sort of go up into the air, all these beautiful thoughts she has for her granddad. And, and at that point um, she said, she goes, um, you know, I keep waking up to these sunrises and I keep, so on the day, the day he died, she woke up to this beautiful sunrise. And then on the, the next day, the day of, it was, it was like the day of his funeral. Right. And and like it, there was this beautiful sunrise and she goes, so I've decided, Trent, that every time I see a sunrise now, I'm just going to think of him and, and sunrises will be granddad, you know? And I just like, that's, be- that's a beautiful love story. Like, so that goes in, you know? And it's just sort of like, you just don't know where these things are going to go, but it's because you're just sitting there and you've just got these, these open ears and you're just ready to, I was just ready for it, you know? I was just ready to suck it all up and just drink it all in every last one of those stories. And it was sort of, you know, it was just the perfect thing I could have done, you know, at the back end of writing two sort of fiction novels and just being so sort of self-indulgent, really, like just really going into my own head and trying to sort of work out my own stuff and, mm. and then trying to, well, those books all, you know, what I mean, you know, it's all about love stories really because those two books came from the strange places I took love from, you know, like all, all my love stories, you know, the, the, the people I sought love with were, you know, one was a drug dealer, you know, um, you know, one was my dear old man, Noel, who, you know, was a bit of a demon drinker. And I took amazing love from him and, and, you know, all these different people I took love from. And so I just wanted to work out where some other people were taking love from and, and get their thoughts on what it means to them. And I thought, yeah, that could be something powerful too, to help me get out of my sort of my shit, you know, my baggage. Yeah. No, absolutely powerful. And I love what you were saying about, you know, that stream of consciousness, you'd sit there and you'd, you know, observe people and write this poetry. And I was wondering in the introduction, you, I'm going to paraphrase it, but you write this beautiful introduction about what you believe. And just for listeners, I'll I'll just a little snippet, right? Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. These these are my little favorite bits, right? Yeah. So I believe we are not alone in the universe. I believe in hoping realistically, grieving openly, dreaming wildly, making up quickly, making love slowly, weeping freely. And I still have the time to fix all the things in my life that need fixing. For me, that was a moment where I had to just shut the book and try not to cry and go, wow. (laughs) And I was wondering how easily did this come to you? And I actually think that every single one of us need to make that list. Like, what do I believe in? I'm going to start mine, Trent, because I think it's so important to do that. I think it's Yeah, I love that. I love that sort of notion, this idea of what, what, who am I at 42 or whatever, you know, who, yeah, what, what do I believe in? And, you know, I know those things in that thing are hardly um, groundbreaking, but I wanted to show the reader like before, or, you know what, I wanted to, I wanted to honor the 150 people who told me love stories. Mm. So first thing I'll do, I'll give of myself first, you know, so you know that I'm giving here too. And, and I'm trying to show the reader, actually, this is a hundred love stories or so that I whittled down from that 150. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, the bigger thread that's going to run through here is me 
accessing all of my stuff as well. And so, so I'm sort of laying some groundwork there, but also just saying it to myself. And it's like, and just screaming it from the rooftops, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, these, these are the things I care about. And, and it's that sort of lacking in um, no, not hiding nothing. You know what I mean? And it's like, it just, I love writers when they do that. I love any writer who just lets rip and just goes, this is me. Um, Kurt Vonnegut, you know, you're just like, a, a, you know, reading a lot of uh, Breakfast of Champions and um, Slaughter, Slaughterhouse uh, Five. Uh, and uh, is that it? Slaughterhouse yeah. Five? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and just that, the way he writes in those books, just so freaking, this is me. You know, you can, you know, this is just, it's, it's there. You know, you are in, and these are the hands that you're in. You know, these are, this is, this is what this is the brain that you're with for the next couple of hours if you're going to sit and and read this book and but then also just to go aren't all these things wondrous you know like aren't all those things that are out there like neapolitan ice cream or um <laughs> or you know or books or um you know all of those things that I'm talking about there are oh, or you know yeah making up quickly all of that stuff like all of that kind of um all of those realizations that I'm, that I've come to almost, you know, mm-hmm. it's those people have taught me to believe in those things. You know, you're reminding those people who stopped on that corner reminded me of that stuff. And it was just this sort of call to arms, really call to arms and go, what do you believe in? And if you believe in a couple of those things, you might be able to sort of go through this book with me, you know, and it was sort of, yeah, it was a bit of a welcome, you know, and it's kind of mm-hmm. like, I this loved is me, it. you know, and uh, by the end, I hope you know who you are and mm-hmm. sort of where you fit on those sort of um, things as well. Yeah, thanks for highlighting that. I love that. Oh, yeah. I loved it. And you know what? I just thought in our busy lives, we, we are busy. We're running from this place to that. Like, mm. do we ever have time to actually sit and write all those things that are important to us? And imagine if we did, all of us, and oh. we kept it somewhere. <laughs> and every time we got frustrated at our loved ones or life got too hard, we went back to it and went, hang on, this is who I am. This is oh. what's important. Like, amazing, right? Life-changing. Oh. Oh, Danny. I mean, one of my favorite storytellers in the book is Sakura. She's this Japanese girl. He's like a Japanese English translator here in Brisbane. And, you know, she stops and starts telling me about this thing she does each day. And her journey is just, you know, I could have written a whole novel about Sakura. And uh, so her journey is the most wild, incredible love story that takes this incredibly dark turn, then takes this spike upwards into happiness and then takes this beautiful plateau where she goes, you know what I do now, Trent, I write down three things that I love each day. And they are the simplest, you know, most incredible sort of, they're, yeah. they're small, but they're incredible. Yeah. So it's like saw caterpillar climbing up lemon tree and uh, <laughs> uh, wrote letter to dad um, back in Japan and uh, heard really, heard a guy whistling a Beatles song in a boost juice um, shop, you know, and it's just like brilliant, just, just, you know what, I'm, and I, that actually sparked me thinking, you know what, I'm going to steal that in the sense of just that kind of, so I don't have time to keep a diary, you know, like, mm-hmm. so, you know, who has time to keep a diary? And it's like, it's so hard. I wish I did, you know, but, mm-hmm. but then I'm starting to think, you know what, if I just did the dot point three things a day, yeah. I think I could keep up with that, you know, yeah, like totally. literally end of the day, just go to the notebook and just go, um, Beth, my daughter, Beth did poetry class, um, uh, Fee sang Whitney Houston song, um, you know, yeah. Um, Trent played touch football and, you know, it's just like, you know, you know, but just, just little reminders of like, man, okay, how lucky are we to be alive? And, you know, you're so right. It just, you know, time flies by and you never have time for that stuff, but yeah. uh, to just stop and acknowledge and just sort of and being present, you know, in that moment and noticing that caterpillar and not being so busy that we have to do oh. this and get here and get there. You know, that's so important. I think in our lives. Oh, Danny, that's what that street made me do. I'm sitting, mm. I'm not going anywhere. Like mm. I was stuck and, and, and I was so exposed too. So yeah. there was a lot of people coming past just going, you know, what is this idiot doing? And there was a few people who were aggressive. There was this one guy who, goes past and he goes oh love story um you know here here's a love story what if i um what, what if i bury your effing head in concrete and i was like geez that's that's really aggressive i just wanted to know a love i'm just here asking people love stories wow. that was actually on my birthday that was a day of my oh, birthday and i'm just wow. going this is pretty wild but 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 the the writing and the contemplation on it, the slowing down helped me avoid all of, distracted me from just how exposing that was anyway oh, wow so good to just be able to just be had the time to document the things I was looking at. And so some of the most poignant moments came from just watching a mum do up the, um, you know, the, the, the fastening bond on a, on a bicycle helmet, you know, or, or a guy holding his daughter's hand at the, at a crossing at a traffic light crossing or, um, 
this beautiful guy, you know, holding this this Indian man. He's holding he's holding his one year old baby boy, and and just sort of talking to him and going, mate, what does that feel like? Yeah. Can you just can you slow down and just tell me what are you feeling right wow. now? Or these two lovers, these two girls, they had their heads resting against each other's foreheads, and I remember just going, you just did something. You just communicated something. You two, can you just could, would you mind if you ask, you know, if I asked you what that was? Wow. And they go, they laugh and then they go, all right, we'll tell you. All this, this, these two friends, they, they hug right in front of me for like 30 seconds. And I went up to them and just went, no, you know, you don't often see people hug for 30 seconds. Can mm. you tell me where you guys have, you know, what have you not seen each other for a while? And they go like, no, we saw each other four days ago for coffee. We just really care about each other. Wow. And then one of those women sent me later a letter mm. and she goes, um, Trent, you asked me why I was hugging hugging her Rhonda wasn't Ron, Rochelle and Rhonda Rochelle sends me this email and she's like Trent I hope you're going well with your love stories project and I just wanted to expand on I, need, I didn't give you a proper answer as to why I was hugging Rhonda for so long and she just she starts her email Danny it starts at like kindergarten she goes we've known each other in kindy we went to primary school high school she was my best friend all through that I had depression she got me through it um it just this story just goes it went to the deepest darkest places and she goes all through there's been one person saving my life, one light at the end of my tunnel, and it was Rhonda. And, and it's just like, wow. and, and she ends up like just going, I cannot believe um, that I get to be Rhonda's best friend, that I'm the one. You know, and she was talking about like, <laughs> I'm the person. You know, it's like wow. out of 7 billion people, I get to be Rhonda's oh, best friend. It was just this amazing sort of gesture of love. And only because I just happened to sort of go, hey, why did you hug for so long? So it was just stuff like that and being observant. You just don't have time normally stop and ask people that, but that was my job that day to do that. So, yeah, it was cool. Getting a bit of a lump in my throat, Trent. Oh, good, good, no, good. (laughs) Yeah, no, no. It's a good thing. Remember vulnerability. Vulnerability, love that, love that. Now, just before we do wrap up, because I know just we could rave on all day. Oh, man, are we already at that? I'm so sorry. I know, (laughs) I'm so sorry. No, I love it. Don't ever be sorry. I love that so much. All right, good. I just wanted to share a little bit of something with you. I've been really wanting to tell you this, and I thought I just wanted to tell you face to face. I didn't want to tell you over the over a tweet, yeah. but in episode forty-seven, you just gave a piece of writing advice that I've never forgotten, and I share with everyone. I do credit you. I said this isn't mine. This is Trent's, <laughs> but it's to put your heart and soul on the page. And you mentioned it before about one hundred percent emotional truth. You know, oh, yeah, and yeah. so I have always written, but never. You know, I was too afraid to ever submit anything. And then I wrote, I pitched to um, Larrikin House, which is a publishing house for children. And I thought, what am I going to write? And I had your voice in my head, put your heart and soul on the page. And it got signed, Trent. (laughs) It's coming out next year. And I just wanted to thank you so much for that. I feel like I'm going to cry. (laughs) I'm I'm crying, man. I'm I'm up here in sunny sunny Brisbane, like a blubbering mess. (laughs) Because I feel like um, had I not that had, had that advice from you, maybe I wouldn't have put my heart and soul on the page. So thank you. Oh, Danny, I'm so touched. <laughs> I'm so deeply moved by that. I didn't just, mean to cry. No, nah, man, mate, you just made my week. You've just that's you made my year. Like that's so beautiful. Hey, like I mean that I. I the, the universe rewards you. I, I swear, yeah. I'm I'm certain of it. You know, the yeah, universe absolutely. rewards you just going full tilt. Just yeah, just let totally it. agree. And you it was know, about and, it's about motherhood. You know, and it's about reclaiming oh. your identity after. You know, it's a bit of a quirky thing, but it's about reclaiming your identity after you've kind of immersed yourself with kids for that time. And I thought oh. I could sort of do it in a surface way, but I'm not because I'm going to do what Trent told me to do, and I'm going to go heart and soul. So oh. it must have made the difference. It must have. Oh, there's just no doubt, no doubt about it. It just makes the writing better. And and you know what? I have no doubt that publishing companies recognize that too. They know it. They read a lot of stuff. They know when something's half-baked and they know when something's full heart and soul, you know, and it's, oh, man, I'm so, that's amazing. I'm so, I had a very, very small part to do with that, by the way, in episode 47. But that is, but I mean, I'm just, that is so amazing, Danny. And look, look, I mean, just look at that journey. And then you just go, bang, you drop it and then it gets rewarded. And so, but this sounds like such a beautiful idea though, by the way, like that notion is so familiar. Mm. that's familiar in our house. Like I reckon my wife would be very familiar with what you're talking about. Yeah, I think many women are. And you know what frustrated me was that when you read stories or you you see children's cartoons, the mums are portrayed usually, not always, but in this particular way of being really responsible or being quite boring, if you like. And I thought, you know what, that's not what women are. That's not what mothers are. Just because you're a mother, you don't lose 
who you are and that person inside you wanting to come out after you've kind of immersed yourself into motherhood. So I really wanted to put that out into the world. Oh, man, I can't wait to see that, Danny. That's just the most amazing thing. Heart and soul, right? Just just, just go for it. You know, the heart writes these books. You know, it's not this thing up here. And this thing up here, the brain is trying to get in the way of that. Yes. This sucker up here is just trying to stop all of that beautiful stuff from happening, you know, and that's it. If That's it. Like if, if, if I let the brain talk, I'm not going out on some corner to ask people love stories. No way, you know, because, pe- you know, then you have all those thoughts going on. What if people say you're an idiot what if people say you're a sentimental douchebag and you can't you know, care can you who cares and you can't you know because what have you got to lose from putting your heart and soul into that into that book that's going to be so beautiful you got nothing to lose and i just hope so many people anyone listening to this like you just got to go you've got to go for it because if you go full heart and soul anyway that, that's a reward in itself yep. because you know it you know it to be true yourself if someone doesn't recognize it that's fine but you know it you, you'll recognize it and and you know you know, you know, sometimes the whole world recognizes it as well. And, I, and it's just the most beautiful thing. I can't believe that. You just, that's so beautiful. You're getting <laughs> well, me really I just wanted emotional. to thank you, like face yeah. to face as much as we oh, are in person because it, that's totally just, unnecessary because you, did, like it, you it, did it. It wasn't, yeah, oh, yeah. I just feel like I took that from you and well, you gave it, you know, freely. And I was like, I took that and that's how I wrote it. And I'm like, it had to have been the difference to being signed and not signed. But I remember you saying um, before, like, some people must think, you know, because you are full tilt, you are optimist, and I love that so much. And you're like, people think, is he for real? <laughs> just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I think, you know what? You don't need those people. If those people are questioning that, you just don't hang out with those people. Oh, you yeah, hang yeah. With the yeah people no. who, who appreciate that, you know? Yeah, like, totally, totally. I mean, no, I mean. Because I felt that way too. Like, people think you're just too much. And you're like, oh, well. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but, but it's that side of you that gets a great podcast done. You know, that's the thing. There's a power in that. And I am too much. I, I, you know, I make myself, I listen back to these things sometimes that I do even like come some, and I can do about five minutes of oh, my really? self and I just go, oh my Lord, stop. I make myself sick, but it's, but my wife knows the true me, like it's dialed back a touch and all the person I am on something like this or anything. And, but even like, I am always very enthusiastic and yeah. energetic about life, but it is, it is again, it's me taking some of that stuff and I am a walking freaking version of gratitude where I'm just going, yeah, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be boring or sort of mute. You know, I'm just going to be kind of very kind of boisterous because yeah, I've got a lot to be sort of boisterous about, you know, and that's kind of, yeah. And, and it is sort of, you know, yeah, there's, there's also a part of my own nervous reaction kind of, this is a nervous impulse to sort of just be jabbering away and (laughs) all of that. So that's all wrapped up in it as well. But, but it is, it is leading with that heart and soul thing though, honestly, on a permanent basis, because I've just, I've just learned firsthand that it kind of it's just a cool way to kind of try and move through your life yeah Yeah, but how else how else do you live like unless you're heart and soul full tilt optimistic how else and enthusiastic like why would you want to live any other way oh can i just tell you okay my wife and i were just talking about um you know when you go to the sonographer and you you get the um you know the scan of your baby when and uh (laughs) my wife was just reminding me when we were getting the baby scan that this scanner so that there was like one scanner doing our thing here in Brisbane, you know, and this is our first kid. And then another, like the head scanner came in when, when Fiona and I were in there and, uh, and they, they said, Oh, I've, I've, I just had to come in because I've heard about you. When you, when you see this baby, you, you go off, you, you have all these reactions. Like it had spread through the sonography place. And then, but, but, but what, but what that started was for, you know, I was just trying to talk about that this morning, like over breakfast, just going, hang on, but who, who wouldn't get excited? You know, what type of stoic monster isn't getting excited about seeing that? You know, you know, you remember, yes, you remember that, yes, what that's like? You remember yes. that moment? Like that, that, like yes. we've got pictures of that. Like, and I mean, I've threatened my daughters that we're going to frame them and like, you know, put them in the hallway like that. That it's is incredible. the greatest. That, I could probably count that as the greatest moment in my life, you know, and it's like, what sort of douchebag, <laughs> what sort of sad, um, you rock. know, rock, rock of a human does not get excited about seeing that stuff. But I was so taken with like, I wonder why these sonographers are coming in going, oh, look at, look at this circus animal. Like, you know, so look at him go funny. off. And I was, I was, you should have, you know, you think I'm enthusiastic on this. I'm going, oh, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And I was just like, stop it. Yeah. But I agree with yeah. you. Who who isn't acting, taking on life like that? Like who exactly. Who is it? 
noise. I mean, like you, right? You get you get this publisher coming back to you and go, they go, hey, you know that thing you wrote? You know, we're going to make that. We're going to turn that into a thing. You know what I mean? Like, like I hope you're popping corks every freaking night. Dad, I am. I am. I'm so grateful. And I live yeah, in gratitude cool. every day. Like, it's yeah. just great. It's, you know, and then you've got to go back to like 12-year-old Danny and, and go, what the hell would 12-year-old Danny make of that? Like, you, mm. 12-year-old Danny wouldn't think that in the in a wildest dreams that's going to happen. Yeah, you know what I mean? Or when you, you know, you're a teacher, right? And you're like, when you're at teacher's college and all that stuff and all that hard work or some kids being awful at some school somewhere. And, you know, you're not yep. going to know that that's waiting for you. You know, like, I just think you got to recognize the hell out of that when it happens. Yeah. Yeah. And live full tilt, Trent. We'll do that. Full tilt. Full tilt. That's it. <laughs> Once again, I, I can't thank you enough for celebrating oh. four years of speaking to incredible and inspiring humans like yourself. <laughs> You're always so four generous. Years. Four years. Four Where years. Fourth birthday. Go? Happy fourth birthday, Danny. <laughs> I'm so proud. I'm so proud to be a part of it. Hey, and all of us writers are. You're you're brilliant. Happy birthday. Have a great one. That's Thank excellent. you. And you know your book love stories, as always, heart and soul on the page. <laughs> and also, I didn't mention. I think I mentioned this off air, but it feels and smells beautiful. It's this beautiful. Oh textured beautiful smelling books so if you like me like smelling and feeling books oh my god it's so beautiful get, get yourself to a bookshop and go Just pick it up and smell it and smell feel it, it. it people won't think you're strange it, it'll be really if great they do just say you're living full tilt who just cares like, just tell them you're living full tilt go back to being a rock I'm Trent living my life full I'm tilt. I'm living full tilt. But thank That's you. So funny. Generous, honest, vulnerable. Oh, I just love that about you all the, the time. So no, thank you. Well, and thank you. And this yeah, book trend, humanness, love, hope, something we all need right <laughs> oh, now after the awful, yeah. awful time we've had. So hell yeah. yeah. Thank no, you I'm so really much. proud of it, Danny. Thanks so much for having me. Always just the best. Happy birthday. <laughs> thank you.